Food Heals Nation, what have you been doing lately when it comes to truly caring for your skin? Have you tried any of the light therapy facials or the LED masks? I've shared on this show how I use lasers to completely remove my brown spots in the past, and I love anything that can help me with wrinkles or blemishes or redness or scars. I find a lot of great products on YouTube that I test out, and I've just discovered a new brand. It's called Lima, and when you see the before and afters on YouTube, you're going to be a convert too. They are changing the way that you care for your skin on actually a profoundly scientific level. This is the Lima laser. It's the world's most powerful clinic grade cosmetic laser device and the only laser FDA cleared for at home use. Why this is important is because I was spending, I'm not going to tell you how much, way too much money years ago when I was getting rid of those brown spots when I was really healing my skin. And now This same type of technology is available at home, and I'm here for it. I am so excited. So this is a near-infrared laser light that penetrates deep into the dermis, simultaneously working on your fat, muscle, and bone to give you like a non-surgical facelift. It transforms your skin. It helps skin issues like wrinkles, sagging, blemishes, pigmentation, redness, breakouts, and scars. And it does this with zero damage, zero pain, and zero downtime. And I remember the lasers that I used to do, they did have some downtime, so this is great. Make sure to check out some of the before and after photos on the website so you can see what I'm talking about. They have YouTube videos too. But the reason it's groundbreaking is it uses that near-infrared low-level light technology, which is completely cold and painless, and it's 100 times more powerful than an LED. And the craziest part is you can even use it with a full face of makeup. So check it out for yourself. Visit lima.life. L is for live. Y is for younger. M is for masterful. A is for approved, and learn more about the Lima Laser. If you're interested in trying one today, you can sign up for their newsletter. Tell them that Food Heals sent you, and please let me know if you order one. I want to hear about your results. Again, it's lima.life, L-Y-M-A dot life. Y'all, oh my God, Food Heals Nation, I just got the softest sheets and pajama set from Cozy Earth, and I had to go and get you a discount code too, so that you could experience the coziness as well. You can visit CozyEarth.com, use the promo code FOODHEALS, and you'll get an exclusive 35% off. So Cozy Earth, it's like your one-stop shop for what they call the luxury she deserves. So listen up, guys because this could make a great gift for that special someone, your girlfriend, your wife, the mother in your life. And don't forget, Mother's Day will be here before we know it. So get a gift for the mom or moms. Here's a nice little gift you could ask for. Anyways, let's start with the sheets to transform your sleep. The coolest thing about Cozy Earth Bedding is that it is temperature regulating. So you stay cool, which is so important when you're sleeping. Plus they are just so soft. It feels like I'm sleeping on a cloud. Plus I love the cozy earth quality and longevity promise. All products come with a 100 night sleep trial and a 10 year warranty. So incorporating cozy earth products into your self-care routine can enhance your sleep quality and just overall wellness. So Again, this is the luxury you deserve. You can treat yourself to the ultimate in comfort and indulgence with Cozy Earth bedding and sleepwear and prioritize your self-care and sleep health. 
And while you're at it, don't forget to check out the Bamboo Pajama Set. It was awarded Oprah's Favorite Things in 2019, so you know it's good. I love the softness and breathability of the fabric, and it has these really great side pockets. And don't forget that by supporting our sponsors, you support this show. Head over to CozyEarth.com, use the promo code FOODHEALS for an exclusive 35% off, and go get your mom the luxury she deserves on Mother's Day at CozyEarth.com with promo code FOODHEALS. Food Heals Podcast, episode 128. Chocolate is a vegetable because it grows on a plant and the plants grow on trees and you know trees are in the ground and so therefore chocolate's a vegetable. Hey, I buy that. Holistic Voice presents the Food Heals Podcast with your hosts, Alison Melody and Susie Hardy. Join the Food Heals Nation and learn the secrets to go from feeling unwell to healing yourself. Warning, side effects of this podcast may include increased health and vitality, thoughts of living longer, an increase in sexual activity, feelings of joy, cravings for kale and quinoa, and a spike in Tinder matches. In real cases, women have experienced a strong desire to stop asking their boyfriends if they look fat and stressed. If you experience any of these symptoms, post a selfie to Instagram immediately. All right, welcome, Food Heals Nation. Thanks for joining us. I'm Allison Melody. And I'm Susie Hardy. Today's guest is Dr. Glenn Livingston. He's the founder of the website Never Binge Again. So obviously, if you've ever struggled with overeating, this episode is for you. Glenn is a veteran psychologist and longtime CEO of a multi-million dollar consulting firm, which has serviced several Fortune 500 clients in the food industry. You may have seen his previous work, theories, and research in major publications like the New York Times, the Los Angeles Times, the Chicago Sun-Times, and many more. Today, he shares his expertise on the science of overeating with us. And he even leads me through the exact exercise he leads his clients through. So that's really powerful. I really like this. It was amazing. But before we get to our interview with Dr. Livingston, we just want to remind you all of the amazing discount codes we have for all your holiday shopping needs this holiday season. If you need a last minute gift for a friend, family member, or for yourself, here are some of our favorite places to shop. You can get 20% off t-shirts and tanks by Vince Leah. You know him from multiple episodes of our podcast. We love him and he has an amazing healing story and he made some great tanks and teas. So you can see some of our favorite styles are on my Instagram, alisonmelly.tv, and you can get your 20% off. And you can also get 20% off at the Global Healing Center using coupon code FOODHEALS. Perfect for organic face creams, supplements, and detoxification. I mean, you know Global Healing Center. We are obsessed with them. So get your 20%. All of the codes, by the way, are food heals. So you can use that at checkout. So you can also get 15% off apparel by Beat by Beat. You guys remember Jackie. She was on another episode of the Food Heals podcast. And they also have some great tanks and teas that are Animal activism. They're all they're all our sponsors are animal activists. And you can also get twenty percent off at Gunas using the coupon code Food Heals. You remember Gunas, they've got their vegan luxury handbags. They've even got shoes now, which are super cute. Awesome. And last but not least, last week we told you how to give back to us. If you like this podcast, leave us a rating and review on iTunes or on Stitcher. Then tweet us a screenshot of your review at Food Heals Nation, or you can post a picture to Instagram or Facebook. Make sure to tag us in your post at Food Heals Nation on every platform. That would be the biggest gift to us. It would. We'll choose our favorite four reviews. We'll read them on air and we will send four lucky winners a swag bag from our Food Heals podcast party. 
Yes, it's full of swag. It is. We got some good swag, yo. Yeah. So we're going to run this until the end of December. And on January 1st, we will start choosing our reviews and we'll send out those swag bags. You'll get a delayed holiday present. Uh, You'll get it in January or February. It's awesome, though. You guys should submit. Yes, for sure. All right. Next up, our interview with Dr. Glenn Livingston. The Food Hills Podcast starts now. Today we're here with Dr. Glenn Livingston, disillusioned by what traditional psychology had to offer overweight and food-obsessed individuals. Glenn spent several decades working with his own patients and researching the nature of binging and overeating. Equally important was his own personal journey out of obesity and food prison to a normal healthy weight and a more lighthearted relationship with food. I can't wait to learn more. Welcome, Dr. Livingston. Oh, it's, it's so nice to be here. And please, please call me Glenn. Welcome, Glenn. Welcome, Glenn. Dr. Glenn. If you like. <laughs> actually, you know what? In, in this context, I actually prefer to go by my first name because I, I present some advice that's maybe not in the best standards of care for my practice. I have got some controversial thoughts. And so I, I offer, my, offer my thinking as a coach, as an educator rather than a doctor. So um, Glenn is probably better. Sounds good. We love controversial thoughts. Let's yes, we do. Right okay. yes, we do. Yes, we do. All right. So tell everyone listening a little bit about who you are and what you do. Well, um, I'm a psychologist born in a family of 17 psychologists, and you don't want to come to my family reunion. Oh, wow. my gosh. I would love to come to your family reunion. <laughs> the, the, the thing is that nobody agrees about anything. They, they, they're... Um, and they love to fight about it. So, it, are they all analyzing each other at the same time? Yeah. Well, they're <laughs> kind, kind of sort of analyzing yeah. other people. Is this might be a diversion, but it, it's um, it's a lot of work. And most people think that if they come across a psychologist, that psychologist is busy, you know, figuring you out. But it's really not that much more so than anybody else because everybody's got to figure everybody else out. When you walk into a room. You need to know, is this person a friend or foe? Uh, What do they want from me? Are they trustworthy? How close should I get? How far should I stay away? And so there's a part of our brain, everybody's brain, that's always analyzing. And psychologists have a little more experience with it, but it's, it's still a bunch of work and we like to relax. Absolutely. As you should. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So you were in a what you call food prison um, before you got into all of this. So can you start at the beginning and tell us a little bit about what that means? When I was young, Mm -hmm. I had what would today be diagnosed as exercise bulimia. And what that meant was that I, I wasn't really fat, but I discovered that if I exercised a lot, that I could eat more or less whatever I wanted. I'm, I'm six foot four and I was always fairly muscular. And, you know, so it was no problem for me to have 6,000 calories a day, literally. And I wouldn't gain weight as long as I was doing two or three hours of exercise every day. Damn. It, it was fun. <laughs> <laughs> it was fun. I, 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 I got to admit it. And what were you eating? Were you eating a lot of unhealthy foods or was it a mixture? Was it Susie, just- what wasn't I eating? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I, well, I wasn't a vegan back then. I, so I was, um, oh God, my, my mother used to get me a whole box of Pop-Tarts and put it in the closet and make sure it was ready for me every morning. So that, that was my breakfast. And, oh, yeah. Wow. You know, pizzas and pastas and, you know, hamburgers and cheeseburgers and Whoppers and Big Macs and food that makes me cry to think about eating it now. Uh, sure, yeah, sure. Yeah, that, that's what I was eating back then. But what, ha- what happened was, and please interrupt me if you wanted to, 
But what happened was when I got older and I started to have more responsibilities, really as I entered graduate school, college was a picnic for me, but graduate school was difficult. And I was married and um, I started to have patience and a lot of studying to do. I couldn't spend two or three hours at the gym every day. Mm -hmm. And I found that I couldn't stop eating as much as I was eating. And so I started Mm -hmm. to gain weight. And, you know, as the years progressed and my responsibilities got more and more, um, and I had a full practice, I, I found that I would be sitting and working with patients, but I'd really be thinking about when can I get to the deli and dislodge my joy next time and just Ugh. empty it all <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and I felt guilty. Like I, I was constantly having to force my attention back to working with the patients. I was a couples and family therapist at the time. And I, I felt guilty. And, you know, these people were talking to me about some of the most important things in their life, but I wasn't 100% there. And I started at that time to look for help. And as you might imagine, being a psychologist from the family that I came from, I looked for psychologically oriented help. So I went to see my own psychologist, saw a psychiatrist. I went to Overeaters Anonymous. Years and years and years of seeking out the traditional ways of um, looking for help with an eating disorder. And pieces and parts were helpful, but nothing really worked. Nothing took away the obsession. Nothing... um, really made it possible for me to feel normal with food. And it was painful. It was, it was really very, very difficult. I, I actually funded my own study. You know, in addition to being a clinical psychologist, I also consulted for industry. I, I've always worked at home and we don't have kids. Um, so I've had a lot of time. And I knew how to conduct a study and I funded a study. And over the course of about two years, we got 40,000 participants. Wow. Yeah, it, it was it was a big study online, so it's not quite as impressive as it sounds, but still, it's a lot of people. Yeah. And I was looking at the relationship between specific food cravings and personality styles, because I thought if I could figure it out, like, what's the difference between someone who craves chocolate versus someone who craves pizza versus someone who craves, you know, starchy, salty foods, that then I might really know what was underlying it. And I, mm-hmm. I, I found there were differences. So, for example... I found that people who crave chocolate tend to um, be feeling isolated, lonely, or unloved, having trouble in their love mm. life. Oh my God, this is so interesting. Yeah, but this isn't the first time we've heard this, no. Susie. Oh my God, Glenn, this is like, okay, keep going. This is blowing my mind because we've heard this from other people. And maybe it's because of your study, actually. Well, I remember it was this. I, I don't remember if this is something I came across or we heard it on the podcast. But I remember hearing about if you're craving crunchy potato chips or granola, cr- crunchy yeah. stuff that you're stress eating. If you're craving sweets, you're emotional eating. Yeah, that's more or less what we found. Yeah, that um, it's kind of a generalization, but you're getting getting specific. So go on. So chocolate was that's fascinating. Feeling unloved, feeling lonely. Well, right. And, what and, else? And, and the, the crunchy salty, um, starchy stuff, people tended to be stressed, particularly at work. And, and so, but here, here's the thing. I thought that the natural solution to that would be, well, okay, so I know I'm a chocolate craver. I need to go work in my love life until I feel loved. Hmm. Gosh, it's so nice to talk to two women who are so compassionate. 
<laughs> I love you guys. Uh, well, we get it. I have a bachelor's in psychology, and Allison has a master's in what would you call it? Spiritual, spiritual psychology. psychology. <laughs> so we get it, and we love this kind of stuff. Please go well, on. So I, w- I want to come hang out with you, but please do <laughs> anytime. But, but so, so here, here's the thing: there was this little voice inside of me that said, "Well, that's good, Glenn, because that means until you figure out." why your mama and your daddy didn't love you enough or why you can't you know, connect with your wife strongly enough or until we figured out how to get you feeling loved, you can just binge on chocolate, <laughs> right? And, and that's, that's the same voice, by the way, that says that chocolate is a vegetable because it grows on a plant and the plants grow on trees and you know, trees are in the ground and so therefore chocolate's a vegetable. Hey, I buy that. <laughs> <laughs> and... When I tried to work with patients like that, I, originally I wouldn't work with patients with eating disorders because I felt like I wasn't qualified, but then I started to do a little better and I tried, tried to work with them. They would tell me similar things. And, and I got to the point that I said, well, you know, it's true that there's a correlation between what you crave and particular emotional issues. And it's good to know when it's good to work on. However, mm-hmm. the bigger problem in food addiction is that stupid voice inside of you that sabotages you. Yes. Where every time you make you make a plan, it talks you out of it by saying that chocolate is a vegetable, or you know, and wait until you. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, we all have that. That's where we're laughing. We we all have that voice. Yeah, it's like the angel and the devil on your shoulder from the cartoons. Yeah, I kind of switched my take, switched my investigation at that point, and I was looking into like alternative treatments for addiction. And I, I, I actually, since I wasn't finding what I needed in the food addiction literature, I, I kind of ran over to the drug addiction literature. Mm-hmm. And I, I ran across this guy named Jack Trimpey at Rational Recovery. And everybody said he was harsh. Everybody said he was really harsh. But, mm-hmm. you know, he's very protective of his, his work, so we won't say too much about him, except you should all go check it out. And what he said was that, look, People have been recovering from drugs and alcohol since time immemorial. What they seem to do is separate themselves from this voice inside. And rather than trying to nurture it like an inner wounded child, they they develop a sense of contempt and disgust for it. And that sense of contempt and disgust gives you those microseconds that you need to jump back up into your right brain, into your into your correct brain, your your neocortex. That's where you live all your goals and aspirations and desires and, you know, things you want to accomplish. That's where you live, but where this thing lives that wants you to continue the addiction, that's in your lower brainstem. It's actually a survival drive that's been misappropriated and hijacked by the addictive substance. And he, he's got another name for, for that. But at that point, I said, I think he's right. Because I, re- I recall a lot of addicts that I'd worked with. And there were a lot of people who were quitting on their own, who don't really seem to need treatment. And as a matter of fact, I think there are more people that are doing that than are actually quitting with treatment. And I said, you know what, I'm going to try this. And so this is going to sound incredibly unsophisticated for an educated psychologist who's <laughs> sold, sold millions to industry and everything. But what, what I did was I said, well, that voice inside me that's, that says chocolate is a vegetable, that's my pig. And I'm going to make a rule that I don't eat chocolate. And so anytime I hear anything that says you're going to eat chocolate, I know that's going to be my pig. As a matter of fact, that's pig squeal. And the chocolate itself is going to be pig slop. and I don't want to eat out of a pig's trough and I don't want to let farm animals tell me what to do. So whenever I heard that voice, I said, 
well, I don't eat pig slop and that's pig slop. And that was it. (laughs) So is it the reframe of the chocolate being like a delicious escape to chocolate being the pig slop? Is that, is that what it is? What makes the change? Well, it is a cognitive reframe, you know, cognitive being, you know, a, a thought. But, mm-hmm. but it's also a big emotional reframe. Like m- most okay. people that do this, they tell me they get an image. And not everybody, call it, everybody calls it their pig. Some of them call it their inner slacker. A lot of women call it their B-I-T-C-H. Poor, poor <laughs> pigs get such a bad rap. <laughs> <laughs> they're such sweet animals and they're so smart. They get a bad rap. But anyway. Real pigs are wonderful. Real pigs yeah. are very smart and playful. And I actually distinguish this in my book by using a capital P as opposed to a, a small P. Um, you know, cause I, I'm actually a vegan and a bit of an act- activist. So I, I really didn't mean to disparage the actual animal at all. No, I know you didn't. No, I'm know. just saying in general, you know, <laughs> but, but, but I, I, I don't let farm animals tell me about important decisions. I don't let them dictate my life. And what, what really helps is the clarity about what's on and off your food plan about what is pig slop and what's your food coupled with a feeling of disgust for that, like just being absolutely fed up with that inner part of you that keeps ruining your plans. And I got to tell you for many people, like we're all sitting here and laughing about it, but when you're in the throes of a food addiction, when you're in the throes of binge eating, it's like not being alive. It's like someone put a gun to your head and told you to put food in your mouth until your gums bleed. It's, it's like, it's almost like a way of killing yourself without killing yourself. It's, it's awful. It absolutely is. Yeah. I mean, it is. It's it's oh, it's eating yourself to death. So maybe slowly. Slowly, yeah. You know, maybe you'll get you'll die from diabetes or other complications that come from obesity or whatever. You're you know, but absolutely, it's eating yourself. It's to death. it's so powerful, right? but it's it's so powerful when the survival drive really runs amok like that. And unfortunately, there are two elements of our culture that make it about ten times worse. What one of them is that. There's like five to 7,000 commercials on television for industrial food. Yeah. Not one of them is about vegetables, right? Right, right. Um, the other is that the big food has billions of dollars of, to spend to pack the most calories in the smallest space and make it look as attractive as possible with the packaging and then convince you that it is food. Mm-hmm. Um, and the third thing is that the addiction treatment industry says that you can't do any better than abstain one day at a time. You can't quit. You're powerless over this. I mean, mm-hmm. put, put that all together. No wonder we've got an eating ec- epidemic. No wonder people feel out of control. And so this works because you're fighting very powerful forces and you need a very powerful emotion to call upon when you have that addictive urge. That, that's why it works. So do you have maybe an exercise or a way of getting into that feeling that, that you call disgust? Um, is there a, how, how do we get ourselves into that? Or is it just practice? No, I do. I, I, I do have several ways to do that. It starts with really needing a clear definition of what's on and off your food planet. And I actually, developing a comprehensive food plan is sometimes too much for people. So I tell them to think about one thing they would like to make a rule about. And I should clarify at this point that the rule doesn't have to be an always or never, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. I, I never eat chocolate because it's, um, I don't see any point in having a couple of bites. My sister takes a couple of bites and she pulls it all back up into her, her purse and she makes a chocolate bar last a week and I just don't understand that. Uh, <laughs> um, but good for her for not eating the whole thing like every night. You know? and, and a lot of people can do that. 
And there are a lot of people who do better with conditional rules. So, you know, I work with people who'll say, well, I, I only eat chocolate on weekends, or I only eat, eat chocolate in social events, or, you know, I only have pretzels at Major League Baseball games or something like that. And, you know, a lot of the art of this technique is figuring out exactly what your rules should be. I tell people to sort them into always, never, conditional and unrestricted. That's really an easy way to think about how to develop mm -hmm. a food plan. And, and uh, I'll, later on, I'll give you a resource where they can see some examples and hear some coaching sessions and things like that for, for, awesome. for free. But once you know that, and I, I could take you through this if you, if you, I don't know how much time we have, but if you'd like me to take you through it, I can do that. We would love to be taken through it. Okay. Why don't we do that then? Do either of you have something that you want to change about your eating? Mm. I, yes. I got mine. What's yours? Everyone knows mine. What's yours? Sugar. <laughs> I talk about it all the time. I let's oh, I have to really think about that because huh. What do I want to change about my eating? Um for me it's I have so many questions swirling about in my head, but I'll save those <laughs> for later. For me it's more about meal planning because I I think I have a pretty good relationship with food. I I feel like if I, uh, I am aware when I'm emotionally eating or when I am all of a sudden wanting sugar or wanting a dessert and sometimes I'll be like, well, it's been a rough day and I'm going to have that piece of cheesecake and I'm going to enjoy it right, right. and I'm not going to hate myself for it. And there's other times I'll say, nah, you know, I'll have a salad. I'm fine. But for me, it's more about planning because I'm doing so many things that the discipline of doing meal planning, cooking for myself, preparing my salads in a jar, prepare, you know, that, that is where I get tripped up. Allison, yeah. I don't know. Where do you get tripped up with your sugar? Um, well, it's interesting because for me, I've been the type of person who has been able to give up cold turkey so many things in my yeah, life and never go back. So when I was young, I gave up red meat, never went back. Then when I was in my 20s, gave up chicken, never went back. And then I think it was the beginning of my 30s, giving up seafood, never went back. I have no problem with these things for whatever reason until I've completely brought myself into this, you know, I would say 95% vegan diet, vegan lifestyle. However, when I have tried to give the 100% to the sugar, I found it impossible for two reasons. One is sugar is in more things than anything you could possibly imagine. And the second is the emotional tie to it. Just like you just said, Susie, it's been a hard day. I want to eat the cheesecake or whatever. Well, here's, a, here's another question, though. It's like when we do a lot of this elimination and, and I think you eat very, very well, I sometimes think like when we get super, super strict, are we even enjoying our food anymore? I mean, I understand. I know sugar is everywhere. I think you eat pretty healthy, though. You shop at the places that don't have sugar in all of the products. Of course. However, but you know, you do want to enjoy your life a little bit. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think it's conditional, just like Glenn said. I think I don't need to be a 100% off sugar, but I would like to do more of a 75, 25. And so, Glenn, I would love if you could lead us through that, how, how to get there. I, I sure could. And let me just address a couple of the very good points that you both brought up first. First of all, the goal with these kind of rules is to simultaneously maximize your freedom and your control and, and find the... What? <laughs> <laughs> Love how, it. how do we do that? <laughs> Imagine you were a city planner and it was your responsibility to put down just the right amount of 
traffic lights and stop signs and yield signs and, you know, make sure that the traffic flowed freely, but you were going to minimize accidents. And what you would do is carefully look at the intersections where accidents were occurring. And at those intersections, you probably would install a stoplight or a, a stop sign. And you'd look at the intersections, which were not so dangerous, but just in a little bit of flow. And maybe you put a yield or something like that. But you wouldn't put any more than you needed, because if you put more stoplights or stop signs or even yield signs than you needed, you'd be minimizing the BM, unnecessarily restricting the free flow of traffic. And that's kind of what this is like. It's like kind of admitting that, look, there are some areas in my life where I'm a little out of control and I need some more specific rules to, to protect me. But I'm not going to go crazy with this because, you know, there has to be free movement through the system. And... And if I happen to make a mistake with this, I will evaluate it later and, you know, I could turn a, I can turn a traffic light into a stop sign or I can remove it altogether. Um, it really kind of depends on what I need as, as long as that's a carefully evaluated decision and not something you do impulsively, that, that really tends to work and let you evolve things over time. So, so we're, we're, we're really supporting your freedom and the people that do this tend to come to feel like it's second nature and they enjoy their food a lot more because they know it's not going to destroy them, right? They, 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 know, that they know that they're protected. So that, that's the first thing. And it's, it's the same way that there is a philosopher, his last name is Bill, I forgot his first name, but he explained that freedom sits on top of discipline. It's, it's not opposed to it. Like, like a jazz pianist can only improvise so freely because they've practiced their scales a hundred times. I love that. Yeah, that makes total sense. That's such a good concept. Freedom sits at the top of discipline. That's great. If you if it wasn't for all the engineers who put your car together so precisely, you wouldn't be able to drive it every place that you want to, right? You wouldn't be able mm-hmm. to trust mm-hmm. that turning the wheel right makes it go right and turning the wheel left makes it go left and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Sure, sure. Okay. The other thing I wanted to address was that not every food rule needs to be specifically about what you always are eat or don't eat, it can also be about a behavior. So for example, there are people who say, I'll never go to bed without sketching out my meals for the next day, mm-hmm. right? Or I always do meal planning on Sundays for the full week ahead. And then they can define more specifically what that means. So th- those kinds of things can be addressed with a, you know, with a simple discipline. And then you're not vulnerable to your inner pig or your inner B-I-T-C-H saying, well, we, we, <laughs> you can say, bitch, we, we are, we're allowed to cuss on we this We curse spot. up a storm sometimes. Bitch, 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 me bitch, more bitch, than bitch, a, bitch, Me more than <laughs> <laughs> There you go. Okay. Freedom. Freedom, yes. Of discipline. See, I, I, I don't have a rule that I'm not allowed to say that. I'm just complying with the... Um, I know, you're so... You're very respectful. Yes. Now throw that out the window. (laughs) If if you read my book, you'll see that I, although I'm a very compassionate person, I wrote the book kind of like an allegory and there really is an enemy in the book. And um, I was very harsh on that enemy. So I can't wait to read that. Okay. So that having been said, we probably have time to work with one of you. So whichever one it's not, if you want to call me, I'm happy to help you off the air, or we can do this in another recorded session if you want to. Allison, how would you feel about taking 25, 30 minutes to help you with your sugar addiction? Let's do it. I'm so excited. Okay. (laughs) Well, 
The first question I have to ask you is, if you could totally get your, what would you like to call your inner enemy? Do you want to call it your, your bitch? Do you want to call it the pig? What would you like to call it? Your sugar whore. let's call it the wolf because i like pigs too much and i don't like wolves because i'm scared of the nothing from that film oh my the never-ending story the never-ending story but he wasn't a wolf what was he the wolf the the nothing was the nothing but the wolf was the the what the nothing sent oh yeah that's right I Should just saw I just saw this movie again for like the bazillion time. It's the best movie, but it it's is, so but it's scary. terrifying. It's so scary. The okay. nothing. Well, can it be called the nothing? Let's you can call it whatever nothing. you want to. That's like my biggest fear from childhood: the nothing. Okay, Sorry. let's do it. Cool. Okay, so if you could get the nothing entirely out of the way and you could totally dominate it, what would you like to do with sugar in your life? Um, how often would you have it? How would you define that? What, what's the ideal? The ideal is to have it on special occasions that are celebrations like birthday parties, but not included as a part of my daily life as much as possible. Mm-hmm. Tell me a little bit more about how you would define special occasions. A special occasion would be a wedding, 30th birthday party, a baby's one-year-old birthday party, something where we're in celebration and to not participate would feel like I was holding myself back and not enjoying my life rather than if I'm at my house by myself, there's no need to celebrate uh, with a piece of cake on my own, right? (laughs) Okay. Is that the only time that you'd want to allow yourself sugar? I would say in small amounts, if it's in a salad dressing or a coffee, I'm not going to cry about it. It's really the desserts that I would only like to allow at those special occasions. Okay. So it's not necessarily I'll never eat sugar. It's that I'll never eat dessert. Yes, that would be more accurate. Okay, and maybe the way to phrase that would be, I will only ever eat dessert again on special occasions such as weddings, special birthday parties, or other serious celebrations. Yes, exactly. Okay, is there any other exception you would want to make? I don't think so. Do you think, can you think of something? What if Dan comes home and's like, baby, I got some whipped cream and Nutella. <laughs> Let's have some sexy time. <laughs> I'm not trying to be funny. I just, it came to my mind. I had to say it. All right. And then including sexy time. For <laughs> it has to be vegan whipped cream. This has got to be chocolate. the most interesting interview I've done. <laughs> Glenn, the last guest or one of the last guests we had yeah. on called us nuts. And we were like, are we nuts? Yeah. I think we're fun. You, you, you guys are fun. You guys are okay. Thank you. So I will only ever eat dessert again on special occasions like weddings, special birthday party, other serious celebrations, or sexy time with my husband. <laughs> Love it. I'm thinking of you, Dan. <laughs> Got you back, Dan. <laughs> this is amazing. This is fun. Now, now if, if I were going to seriously ask you, if you could assume that you were 100% successful with this over the next year, and we, we had a time machine and we went forward a year, what would I observe is different in your life? I would feel and look healthier, more vibrant, and feel great that I didn't have any sort of dependence on a, like a substance. Like they say sugar is a drug, and I feel, 
I feel that I want to be free of anything that I feel dependent on. So there'd be a freedom. There'd be, uh, you know, an uptick in health because I'm already, like Susie said, do my best to be super healthy. And that's my only really uh, downfall, I guess. So looking healthy, maybe lost some weight, lost some, you know, wrinkles, cellulite, whatever sugar does to the body that we know is detrimental and just feeling vibrant, looking vibrant, feeling powerful. Okay, I'm, gonna, I'm writing these down. I'm going to ask you some more specific questions about them, okay? Okay. <laughs> okay. So there's going to be an uptick in your health. Could you be more specific about what that would be? Um, high energy. High energy. Higher energy, okay. yeah. And what would you be doing with that high energy? Having more time to spend on my goals and dreams. Such as? Oh, Glenn, you really want to go into that? I do. This is that, a long the, list, the, the Glenn. Biggest one or two. Okay. Growing this podcast to be a a larger and larger voice for nutrition, for the animals, and for everything that Susie and I believe in. Um, Podcast is really, really important to me. Creative filmmaking, singing, directing, writing, all this creativity that I have that um, I only get to use to a certain extent right now or that I really want to fully explore and, and... put out into the world. Uh-huh. So uh-huh. creative projects, podcasting, using my voice to help really, you know, change the world. Love it. That's our mission. Uh-huh. Using your voice to change the world. Okay. Okay. Tell me more about what the sense of independence and freedom would mean to you. Well, I feel pretty, pretty blessed to um, have a lot of freedom in my life due to the fact like Susie and I are both entrepreneurs and so we're able to set our own schedules and that's been great. So I feel like the only part of me that maybe doesn't feel free at this time is is like the dependence on, I, I keep saying substance, it's not the right word, but like, okay, I'm feeling run down. So I always go to a green juice. And then if the green juice doesn't work, then I go to the coffee or the chocolate. And so not needing to feel like you need to go to anything, just feeling like that energy is inherently within myself. Does that make sense? It really does. So this is like the last vestige of slavery in your life. Yeah. 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 Kind of a slave, slave to your impulses and you don't want to do that. Yes. Okay. You said you would have lost weight. How much weight would you lose? How much weight am I allowed to say? All of it. (laughs) You don't want to exist? You you want your body to disappear? No, I want to be so super hot. With You are super hot, lady. Thank you. Um, I would say 10 pounds. Okay. And if you lost 10 pounds and you got so super hot, what what would you do? Would you dress differently? Would you... go to the beach what what would you do with being super hot? I would just feel more powerful when I walked into you know my business meetings and things like that I'll get self-conscious about how I look and and I try not to but I'm a female and that's just what we do so that's what we do yeah and it's like even when I am at my fittest I still have those feelings so um I don't know I think that 10 pounds would help those feelings but it would also have to be an emotional change as well as we all know Mm -hmm. I, I hear that all the time by the way about <laughs> yeah. overconfidence. Okay. 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 And you'd lose wrinkles and cellulite? How fucking yes, I would. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have wrinkles. You're four years younger than me. You don't have wrinkles. I do. I just did a, a treatment oh, on my forehead. Glenn. That's why you can't see them. Glenn. <laughs> it wasn't Botox or anything. Don't worry. It's all natural. You guys are funny. <laughs> we try. Well, we're honest. Like we want to be like we're every woman just trying to be healthier versions of ourselves in this world. Yeah. I'm 
from everyone. <laughs> My God. It's going to go way too long. Sorry. Glenn. That's okay. So you have all this additional energy. You feel more confident and powerful in business meetings because you've lost some weight. Mm-hmm. You would have lost your wrinkles or at least some wrinkles. You would feel a great sense of independence and freedom. What, what else would be different? Would this affect your relationships? Um, I think it would actually make me more powerful in projects such as the Food Heals podcast because I could say, you know, I overcame this. And so I could share my story with others about how I did it. And that would make me, um, you know, just able to help more people because I feel like I, I help a lot of people go vegan and I help a lot of people um, with their food food um, issues. But I can't help them with sugar because I haven't overcome that one yet, you know? Love it. Okay, so you could help help a lot more people in integrity. Great. Yeah, yes, exactly. Got it. Like you said, when you didn't feel qualified to help people that were suffering from an eating disorder at first because, you know, you you felt like you were still in that place. Exactly. Yeah, you get it. Would it um, impact your relationship with your husband or your kids or, or with Susie? Um, maybe only with Susie so we could talk about more health shit that we love talking about. Okay. <laughs> um, with my husband, it would just make me more encouraging, uh, to help him make changes if he wanted to, um, who I don't have children yet, but I'm sure it would help relationships just in terms of like people going, Oh, you know, you, you look different or you're present, you, you seem to be more free, whatever they would perceive about me. I can say, well, here's what I did. It's like, I guess it goes again, back to just helping people. Okay. Well, is, is there any other way that your life would be better before we give the nothing a chance to have it say? I can't think of anything, honestly. Okay. So then I'd like to talk to your nothing. And if this feels uncomfortable at all, I want you to remember that I, I, I like you, Alice, and I, it, I don't like your nothing. So I, I, I'm, I, I, I've done gestalt. I'm with you. We can okay. do this. <laughs> Sh- shrinks, man. Okay. <laughs> well, I went to grad school. For no this. kidding. Yeah. So I've done it all. Okay. If we allow the nothing to tell us why you can't do this, shouldn't do this, won't do this, what are all the reasons that it says that you won't be able to make this work? Well, the nothing, you know, says I work so hard and if I want some dessert at the end of the day because it brings me temporary happiness, there is no reason I shouldn't have that. I deserve it. Okay, you work so hard and you deserve it. What else? It brings me temporary feelings of joy after after being stressed. So why would I say no to that? It's already stressful enough. Okay. So I say no. What else? It tastes good. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it always gets around to that one. Well, it's kind of interesting that it's only got these three reasons. Is that all it has? I mean, okay, tastes good, de-stress, I deserve it. The nothing. <sighs> I don't know. Tap Go into ahead. your nothing. I, I, I don't know. It's I, I, deeper I was, I was than that. You're, you're doing fine. This is. A, <laughs> <laughs> I'm judging my nothing. I'm going, sorry. What maybe, else I, you maybe I shouldn't pipe in. No, you can't. <laughs> no, but this is very intimate. This is deep. This is very intimate with. I know, but you know me. You can help me stimulate. See, Allison, mm-hmm. um, this is part of the process because typically what happens is there's this whole future with a a wide range of positive benefits. And I mean, you, you could have talked about that forever. And then the only reasons that the nothing has or the pig has for 
you know, avoiding it or, well, it tastes good or it's convenient or, you know, you deserve it or something like that. So it's, mm -hmm. it's, it's not uncommon that the nothing runs out of things to say. We've, we've kind of cornered it. So it means we did our job right. Um, cool. Now, you don't have to always have the answer to those three things. You don't, mm -hmm. you don't always have to have the answer. It's enough that you recognize that that's your nothing talking. And you can just feel disgusted with it because, you know, the nothing is willing to take away all of those good things. And we're joking around a lot because you guys are fun. <laughs> but I, I bet. Or nuts. <laughs> you know what? I, I'm a psychologist and I can tell you, you guys are nuts. Uh, <laughs> yes! Vindication! I think they're one and the same. I think that if you're going to have fun and be playful, it's kind of nutty to some people, but you know, I, I, it's all for Actually, there, there's a term called regression in the service of the ego. And what that means is it's a controlled lunacy, which is actually the basis of creativity and not insanity. Uh, but controlled lunacy! Yes, I'll take it. High five. High five. <laughs> 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 oh my god um, this is definitely the most fun interview that I've done Glenn you're coming back okay. yes you are okay. we gotta do Susie next time you, you got it but, <laughs> but the the truth is Allison that these things are really very important to you as much as we're joking around this is your future yeah. we're talking about this is in many ways your life mission you, you told me when we dug deep enough that this is going to allow you to help more people and spread the word and, you know, we only have a limited amount of time on the planet. They, these things are really very important to you, but the nothing is willing to take it away because of these three kind of pathetic reasons, right? Right. And so you don't have to always have the answer. We're going to go through and try to come up with what a good answer would be, but you don't have to have those answers in order to stay on your plan. You just need to be able to recognize that this is the nothing talking and have that feeling of disgust. Nothing yeah. was willing to take this all away. Okay. So let's go through bit by bit and say the nothing says you work so hard and you really deserve it. What's, if you jump back up into your rational brain, what's, what's a good answer to that? Yes, I do work hard, but there are other ways to find happiness and to de-stress at the end of the day other than eating ice cream, let's say. Like what? What's another way? Sure. Um, so for me, I like to write. I do a lot of creative writing. So I will write songs. I will write sketches. I will just like write about my day and not in a journal diary way, but just to see what creative ideas come. Um, I'm also an editor. So I've got always, I always have footage to edit no matter what or podcast to edit. And, you know, those, I guess you could say those are work too, but they're also creatively fulfilling. I also enjoy, you know, taking a class like I take all these, whether it's an exercise class or a meditation class, I'm on this thing called class pass. And those are there. It's a great way to kind of de-stress and, and to reset intentions. And they're very enjoyable. Having a glass of wine with a friend, which maybe that's sugar, but that's not the sugar I'm talking about. It's more the dessert that I want to get away from. So, you know, sitting down and talking with someone, catching up with someone that I love or that you know, needs to talk about something going on in their life, that type of thing. Love it. Those are great answers. Cool. Okay. When, what about when your nothing says, this gives you at least some temporary joy after dealing with all the stress? Why say no? The nothing is winning right now. <laughs> do, do you want us to help you out? Yes. Su Susie, do you want to help her out? Do you have an idea? You want me to do it? Um. Well, what's coming to mind, and I don't know if this is correct or not, but like, 
and this and this came up right before she started doing her her work with you um where kind of a self a self denial I think I mentioned something along these lines that's like a self denial is kind of like a self loathing like you're you're in this battle of like you want to say no because you know it's bad for you, but you enjoy it. And and, and I, I mentioned something like this, like you yeah. want to enjoy your life and you want to have these certain rules. Uh, I feel like I'm not expressing no, it no, properly. No, no, I get what you're but saying. I, but, but it's yeah. almost like a like a self denial is part of the the kind of the opposite of like a. It's like a bratty little kid that goes, "No, I get this. Like if I want it, I get it." Janine Roth first talked about the two sides of deprivation. That there's actually two different types of deprivation. Okay. And when your nothing is telling you that you can't be deprived of this temporary joy, it's not really presenting the whole picture because whenever you, okay. cho- whenever you choose one type of deprivation, you're actually sacrificing another. i put, put it a different way. Um, mm. If you choose to have the sugar, you're going to be depriving yourself of all the things that we talked about. You're going to be depriving yourself of building the energy that you're looking for. You're going to be depriving yourself of being able to help people, to be able to do your writing and editing and all the creative pursuits that you want to um, feel really powerful in the business meetings and you know feel super hot. and All, all the things that you told me about, mm-hmm. those are things you deserve also, right? Right. So when the pig says, you really deserve this joy, why, why shouldn't you do it? What you have to do is step back and say, well, I know the pig says I'm going to feel too deprived if I don't do this, but what am I really depriving myself of if I, if I do do it? And then you can make a conscious choice. I love that. So to repeat what kind of what you said in my own words to see if I'm on the right track, it's like, well, you deserve it because you had a stressful day. But then the bigger picture is I deserve all those other bigger things yep. that will help me serve the world. Yep. Got it. Yep. Love it. Yeah. And you know, it's, it's really just the process of growing up. If, if you think about it, we all have that little kid inside of us that wants the short-term gratification, but then we learn we can have all these better things if we just put it off a little while. And, and uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. The last thing your pig said was that it just tastes so good. You can't possibly abstain like this because it tastes so good. Well, it does. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it does. Sure as hell does. No, no one's going to deny that. Okay, so work me through that one because I got nothing. The nothing has got nothing. <laughs> Ask me why I don't eat chocolate. Why, why don't, don't you eat chocolate? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I don't eat chocolate because at a time when I was in my right mind and I sat down and I evaluated the impact that chocolate was having on my life. Yeah. And I thought about what I could accomplish without chocolate in my life. I, I made a, a sound intellectual, solemn decision not to have chocolate. And even though you're right, chocolate would taste wonderful, better than sex. Chocolate would taste wonderful. I have decided to abstain from that particular kind of pleasure because I want all these other things. And all those Mm -hmm. other things are more important to me. And that's why I abstain. And so when you're in the moment of, okay, it's that time, how, how do you tell your pig, or in my case, my nothing, um, how do you remind them of that? Is there an exercise or, or what can I do? You, um, you, you look at it and you say, that's pig slop or that is, um, that's nothing slop. And I don't, <laughs> I don't eat nothing slop. Um, the problem is in the moment of temptation, you've shifted, shifted to your, uh, your lizard brain and you don't have access to your neocortex in the same level. Yeah. And, and so 
I can't give you a complex exercise. So do you need something really simple and sharp? Okay. And you practice saying that and it gives you those microseconds to shift back up. And then these memories come flooding back. Then these memories come flooding back. Mm. There's another very simple part of it. When you feel the craving, you say, I don't have the craving. My pig has the craving. It, mm. it, it's not me. It's my pig. And it, it sounds crazy, right? But that subtle shift in language reminds you of your commitment and your decision to pursue these other things that you talked about rather than allow the nothing to keep slave driving you through, you know, these momentary indulgences. Yeah. And it's like reminding me, like, who's in control? Is food heals Ali in control or is the nothing, the pig in control at that moment? And so someone needs to take control. You know, food heals Ali needs to take control in order to move through that situation. But it's interesting what you say about uh, the different parts of the brain, because I've never thought about it like that. So kind of conceptualize it like that. I wonder if you could even bring your um, thinking back to the, you know, I forget what you said, but the right cortex of the brain. Is uh, that, is yeah, that yeah, what we're yeah, doing here? Yeah. If, if you think of, I mean, it's not, a neurologist would correct me and say it's not 100% this simple, but, mm. but basically there are the different pieces and parts of the brain that evolved in different parts of our evolution. The earliest part is the lizard brain. And it's, it is that the amygdala? Part of it. Kind of, part the, of it. Um, okay. the, the amygdala is... I just have a bachelor's on... It's been a while. The, the, amygdala, the amygdala is part of the primal brain it's, that's responsible for um, emotions. emotions, specifically right? anger, fear, and flight. Um, that's what the amygdala is. So you're, you're actually correct. Yeah. You're, you're actually correct. <gasps> I win. High five. <laughs> <laughs> but there, there's one, more, there's one more piece to, to stamp this in, Allie, and it's the most okay. difficult part. Could I ask you how confident you are? that you're only ever going to have dessert again on special occasions like weddings, special birthdays, celebrations, and sexy time with your husband? <laughs> right now? Um, 65%. And where's that other 35% coming from? Fear. But say a little more. Fear of, um, fear of the nothing not being in able to control or something fear of fear of being inferior of, to the nothing that's maybe yeah mm -hmm. fear of not being able to it's like the little kid again like not being able to get what i want when i want it right does that make sense yeah it does yeah now if if we had more time in this part i would work with that fear more yeah but i'm, I'm going to jump right to the conclusion here and this is the hardest part for people to understand. Never binge again is a game. It, it's a game. It's, it's an artificial construct. It's, it's kind of like a trick of mind, but it's very, very effective. And the way the game works is we assign all of that fear to the nothing. And any, any sense of doubt or uncertainty, we're going to keep pushing it off to the nothing so that we can say we're 100% confident that we're never going to binge again that we're only going to have dessert on special occasions, weddings, special birthday celebrations, and sexy time with our husband. Uh, <laughs> we're 100% confident, welcome, but, our, <laughs> but our nothing has other ideas. See, and the reason that's important is that we can't cut out this part of our brain. It's the brainstem, the midbrain, it's, it's always there. The amygdala, it's, it's always there. 
And so it's always going to throw a craving out. It's always going to say, you know, you can't do this. I'm going to get, I'm going to get you when you're weak at some point. But if you recognize that that's where it's coming from, you, you can ignore it. And so it's, it's required that we artificially set our confidence at a hundred percent and, and then allow the pig to exist, allow the nothing to exist, but it knows that it's powerless over us. Okay. So I need to say I'm at 100% sure. Yeah. It's, it's not dissimilar from if you've ever climbed a mountain, visualizing yourself on top and kind of push, mm-hmm. pushing away all the uncertainty and doubt um, yeah. so that you can climb as much as you can. And if you happen not to make it, you figure out what went wrong. Did you not take enough food? Did you not drink enough water? You know, you take the wrong route and you get up and you do it again. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, fall down six times, get up seven. But every time you've got this vision of the goal. Mm-hmm. And this is a way that you keep focused on that vision so that you're nothing can't get the best of you. It's kind of like affirmations where you're saying things that may not be true for you yet, but they're aspirational of where you want to be. Yes. Right? Yes, exactly. Cool. I can do that. Um, Allison, how confident are you, are you that you're never going to binge on sugar again according to the terms we defined? 100% according to the terms that we defined. Good deal. Good for you. Good deal. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, Glenn. I really appreciate that. And I hope that, you know, there's some listeners who who are just like me and, and feel the same way. Cool. All right. We'll be right back with Glenn's tips to immediately stop overeating. Food Heals Nation, we work hard to score discount codes for you from our favorite companies. Like 20% off vegan teas and tanks for men and women at VinceLea.com. You remember Vince. He is a fan favorite and his line of soft, comfy clothes are just amazing with slogans like fit from food, vegan, and more. Yep, and you can also get 20% off some of our favorite health and beauty products from the Global Healing Center. A pioneer in the field of alternative health and natural healing, the owner, Dr. Group, has made it his life's mission to spread the word of health and wellness to the global community. And we love all of their products. It's literally a one-stop shop for all your supplement and beauty needs. We also love Guna's stunning, cruelty-free, vegan, high-end handbags, which we have scored 20% off for you. They have the cutest purses, clutches, handbags, and they even have adorable backpacks that I am obsessed with. I know. And don't forget about 15% off Beat by Beat. They've got super soft and comfy vegan-inspired clothing with taglines like, it's not you, it's meat. I own that t-shirt and I always get compliments. I have seen it. <laughs> so go get your discounts, Food Heals Nation. Use the coupon code FOODHEALS and save money on some of our favorite organic, vegan, eco-friendly companies. All right, Food Heals Nation, we're back with Glenn in his book, Never Binge Again, Reprogram Yourself to Think Like a Permanently Thin Person. Dr. Livingston, a.k.a. Glenn, as we're calling him today, shares specific techniques for isolating and permanently disempowering your fat thinking self and dramatically improving your ability to stick to a healthy food plan and achieve your weight loss and fitness goals. So Glenn, what are some of your tips to immediately stop overeating? Well, my biggest tip is to define one rule for yourself that would make the biggest difference. And most people know what their biggest trigger food is, what their tr- biggest trigger behavior is. Mm-hmm. Um, some people it's eating in the car, for other people it's chocolate, for some people it's sugar, maybe it's not planning, what, whatever it is. 
define it very, very clearly and make sure you define what staying on that plan actually looks like. And the test to see whether you've defined it correctly is if you had 10 people follow you around all day long, would they all agree about whether you were on or off your plan? That it's, it's got to be that clear. Mm. Okay. And then make a commitment. Tell yourself that anything, any little voice that you hear in your head that says you're you're not going to do it, you shouldn't do it, you won't be able to, it's not going to last forever, whatever. That comes from your enemy. Um, you can call your enemy your pig like I do. You can call it your bitch. You can call it your nothing like Allison <laughs> does. We don't know what Susie calls hers. Um, <laughs> we got to come up with a good one for you. Yeah, we do. <laughs> Next time. And that everything that's off that plan is pig slop or mm-hmm. bitch slop or nothing slop or whatever it is. And <laughs> every 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 little voice that you hear that suggests you'll ever read it again is pig squeal or nothing squeal, or you can come up with your own analogy. Mm-hmm. And the moment you crave it again, you say, I, I, don't, I don't crave that my pig does. And I don't eat pig slop and I don't listen to farm animals. And that's the end of the story. And if you go through the exercise we talked about here, I, I can point them to someplace where they can download a whole bunch of examples and food, yes. food plant starter templates and all kinds of stuff. Um, you know, you'll do better at that. And, and then, you know, hey, the book is free. So yeah, tell everyone where they can find the book, where they can find you online and everything. The free book. The free ebook, yes. So it's um, the best way to get it, to get the latest version, is to go to neverbingeagain.com and download the reader bonuses. There's a big red button, download the reader bonuses. That will include links to the latest versions of the Kindle and Nook books, as well as a PDF. The Kindle and Nook books are free in the United States and Canada. They cost something outside of that, but there's the PDF also in that case. You don't have to pay for that. And once you do that, you'll also be able to download the food plant starter template. So you don't have to be a vegan like like we are. You can you know be a paleo person or a calorie counter or you know a vegetarian. Any any um any type of diet, there's a starter template that probably fits you and you know you can adjust it to suit your needs. And there are literally over a dozen recordings of me taking people through exercises like I just took Allison through. So you, awesome. you can hear one that probably suits your needs. All at neverbingeagain.com. It's, and it's all free. That's awesome. Thank you so much for all those free resources. And thank you so much for taking us through that or taking me through that. I feel like I'm ready to start putting those practices into place and to talking to my nothing and, you know, not giving it any power. So I really appreciate that. And thank you for entertaining me today. (laughs) (laughs) Anytime. I I would like to interview you for one of my podcasts too, but that's another story. Okay. Fabulous. We're in. Okay. Um, Can you leave us with a tweetable? All you need to do to never binge again is never binge again. And a life of discipline is better than a life of regret. That's from Jim Rohn. Love it. Tweet it to us at Food Heals Nation. Tweet it to Glenn at Never Binge Again. Use the hashtag Food Heals Podcast so we can see your post. Glenn, it's been such a pleasure. Such a pleasure. Thank you. This was fun. Thanks. 
These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This podcast is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Side effects of this podcast may include increased health and vitality, thoughts of living longer, developing a more positive outlook on life. In rare cases, people have experienced a strong desire to actually start using their $39.99 a month gym membership. If you experience any of these symptoms, Snapchat your trainer immediately.